Stay tuned for the Wine Crush podcast, where winemaker stories are uncorked. Wine Crush is supported by Country Financial Insurance. Welcome to Wine Crush, where winemakers tell the stories behind the vine. I'm your host, Heidi Moore. Glad to have you here for the eighth episode and season finale of Wine Crush. Thanks for joining us here on Portland Radio Project. Today, we'll hear two new influential wine stories. The first from a vineyard whose name comes from the natural flora on their estate, and the second features a winery whose location and geology highly influences their winemaking style. First here from Cremoisi Vineyard in the Dundee Hills AVA, Sophia Torres-McKay. Welcome, Sophia. And how badly did I butcher the name? No, it was great. Thank you, Heidi, yes. first for having me here. Uh, you, you say it right, it's Cremoisi, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> Perfect. You sounded a lot nicer when you said that than I did, so I'm really glad that, you know, the beauty of it, because it's French, correct? Yeah. So the name comes from a French word uh, that means crimson. Uh, So we wanted to uh, honor the heritage of the grape that comes from France, and that's why we chose a French name. So uh, Cramoisy means crimson. And we, uh, after so many names, we selected the Cramoisy name just to, as I said, just to uh, honor the heritage. And the crimson clover grows in our vineyard. And in spring, when you come and see our vineyard, you can see all the red kind of like a red carpet, you know, you're like walking on a red carpet. So we use the crimson clover as uh, nitrogen and able to give nitrogen to the soils uh, among other cover crops. But we love the the crimson clover. It's kind of like analogy to the, to the wine. It's like really bright in spring and then kind of fades the color, uh, kind of like a brickish color until it's done and then goes back into the ground and goes back into the soil. And it does the same as the Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is really bright in the beginning when it's young. And then when it ages, it goes into that brickish color. Also, yeah. another analogy is like in the old civilizations, they use the crimson clover to dye clothes for the royalty. So we like that. <laughs> yeah, so hence the name, and it's a it's a beautiful label with a beautiful flower on it. And so I want to talk a little bit more about the vineyard, but you have a really interesting story because you did not start, like many others in the Oregon vineyard and winemaking world, as a winemaker. You started somewhere else, and I want to kind of start from there, and then we're going to come back to the beautiful red carpet of the vineyard and talk a little bit more about the wine. So I'm going to let you take it over, and where'd we start? Okay, thank you, Heidi. So, yeah, so our story is kind of a romantic story. Um, so, I, yes, yeah, so as you mentioned, I didn't have any knowledge about wine growing. Um, in 2001, I moved from Mexico to the uh, United States, and I met the one that is my husband now, that is Ryan McKay, and he grew up in Eugene, Oregon, so he's a native Oregonian. And he introduced me with, oh, he shared his passion about Pinot Noir in Oregon. I have no clue about the region, about Oregon have the most amazing Pinot Noirs. So when I met Ryan, I met Pinot Noir, and I fell in love with both. So it's kind of like my thing started with his passion about it. Uh, when we started dating, he brought the first bottle of Pinot Noir that I tasted. And I was like, oh, what, what is this? So that brought me into all this passion about wine growing because I have no idea about that. So in one of my dates, I asked Ryan, you know, like after 10 days or something, I asked Ryan, what would you like to do? How you see yourself in five years? Because those are questions that I advise all the girls to ask when they're dating somebody. Sure. (laughs) 
so very you, smart. How you see yourself in five, <laughs> ten years, you know, so you kind of like see where, where your relationship is going to go. Uh, and he told me that he wanted to grow something. So I was like, why do you want to grow? I was like, I would like to grow grapes. I'm so passionate about wine. I was like, okay. So I was in shock because we both work in the IT industry. So I came from a software industry. And um, so I didn't know anything about wine growing. But um, so that makes us, uh, you know, like all the story about what he told me, I started getting very interested. And I just uh, learned from Ryan. And we started thinking about buying a property in the Dundee Hills or Eola Hills, because those are the only two sets of hills that uh, sit in the Willamette Valley. And um, so that's how we started. So I had no idea about growing grapes because I was in the software industry. Uh, but, you know, the passion and the love for Pinot Noir is what, that's what I'm here. I love the romantic story, the little bit of Pinot, a little bit of love, and here you are. And we're going to come right back and talk about the wine and where that passion has led you. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at PRP.fm. So we ended talking about your passion for wine and your husband, obviously, and how it led you to the valley. So with that, you had said that you had originally fell in love with Pinot Noir, and that was the first thing you had tasted. So I want you to, you know, share with us, you know, what your passion is, what your vision is, what really makes, you know, Cremoisi um, Mm -hmm. wine special. And also wanted to mention this beautiful glass of Pinot that you brought for us to taste in um, and enjoy. It's, I believe it's your reserve, if I was listening correctly with this beautiful label on the front of it. So with that, thank you. And um, the wine's yours. Yes. Okay. So first talking about the wine, uh, what the bottle that I brought today for you guys to taste uh, is our reserve wine. It's 2015. So this is what we call the finest selection of the barrel finest selection that we do when, when we sit down with our winemaker, that is Drew Boyd. So we select the best barrels, the finest barrels that we have in the winery. So this is what this wine was uh, kept in the barrel for 18 months. So it has a little bit more structure and body and have those kind of hints of smoke. I brought this one because uh, this is a really nice uh, kind of um, expression of Pinot Noir. It has different layers. It has different clones. So it has that kind of a dimension of a good Pinot Noir. Um, Talking about what I'm passionate to, so I exp- I mentioned to you about how I fall in love with Ryan and fall in love with the Pinot Noir, but also I fall in love with the story about uh, ladies in the back in 1971 um, that there was ladies that they saw a need of the the vineyard stores uh, that they couldn't have insurance, so they create this salute program. And when I read that in a book, as I told my husband, I'm in. I, I can't believe that there's like ladies in the industry, so powerful ladies, Nancy Ponzi, Soko Blosser, that they saw that need in the, in the vineyard stores and they wanted to help them and able to provide them health services. So when I, heard, when I read that, I was just, maybe because I'm Latina, I got more emotional. So I was like, okay, I'm in. I want to do that because we're not the only ones that grow the, the, the wines. It's also the winemaker that makes the wine. So there's two two sets here. So the winemaker, the owners. But the most important to me is like to see all these people working in the vineyards, that they grow our grapes, and there's not too much recognition about that. Or people don't, don't remember that. Well, and it's beautiful that the passion, you know, is because we've learned that 
great wine actually begins in the vineyard itself. And so giving some homage and some love and passion to the people that are really helping make it grow is amazing. So with that in the vineyard, you're doing Pinot, but are you doing any other varietals? Do you have any other clones of Pinot that you're doing as well? Yeah, so we have uh, three different Pinot Noirs with different uh, blends of uh, clones. So we have the Reserve, we have Sophia's Block, that is a Dijon 667, standalone 667. We have a blend that is, um, it's a red label. And we make at our Fresh Rosé 2017, it sold out. It was very welcome in the, you know, with the customers. And we planted six acres in our total 10 acres home, where five are Pinot Noir and one is Chardonnay. The Chardonnay will be ready until 2020, and we produce the rosé from uh, Pinot Noir. Uh, we have a special project for this year. We're going to start doing Blanc de Noir, so we're going to do our sparkling wine. We're just going to do 50 cases. So as you can tell, our place is really, really small. It's only six acres planted, but we're trying to do the best we can and able to produce the best uh, Pinot that we can and the sparkling wine that we can, but it's very small batches. Well, you said sparkling wine, so I'm like super excited to see what you're going to do with the sparkling wine. So it, so you said that was coming this coming year? So we're going to harvest for the first time to enable to make Blanc de Noir. Uh, Blanc de Noir is going to take uh, two, three years to be ready. So for you to enjoy the first sip of the wine, you have to wait three years, Heidi. Oh, goodness, <laughs> that's heartbreaking. But that means that we're just going to become really good friends between then and yes. now, so I'm invited to the party, right? Yes, yes. of course. <laughs> All right, we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about some of the events and some of the other cool things you're involved in, and we'll be right back. Thank you. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. You were talking about your passion for the wine, and we never really got a chance to talk about what you're doing differently in the vineyard. So highlight on what's different in the vineyard that you're doing on, on your site and um why it changes the definition and, you know, the nuances of the wine, in your opinion. Yeah. So we are, uh, thank you, Heidi, again. Uh, so we are uh, biodynamic and organic farmers. So the organic is like to avoid any kind of chemicals, fungicides, contamination in the land. But the thing that, I, that I'm passionate about is like to follow the biodynamic practices. It's an ancient practice, so we're not doing anything new. We're just bringing back the past to the new world how the old civilizations that you to farm the, the places. We follow the moon cycles. We follow the position of the planets. We work with things that are natural in our vineyard. So, for example, we make our own compost from our um, pruning cuts, and we uh, add some cow manure, some uh, pig manure, things like that that are really natural, and then we put that in, back into the vineyard. We, do, uh, we work with teas, for example, when, when the heat goes above 100 I spray chamomile tea into the vines. So what it does what does that like into the vines? Like relaxes the vines because they're stressed out with the heat. So it does the same like when you drink tea, right? Mm -hmm. So you drink sure. tea to relax yourself. Yeah. So the vines appreciate that too. And like it's it's the hard work, but I like to do that because it's good for the vines. And it's just it's very natural. Uh, I'm not doing anything special. I'm just trying to get connected to my land, to the vineyard. That's the only way that you can get connected. So I visit all my 14,000 vines that I call my girls. 
doing that. So that's a special thing that I, that we do. That's super interesting. I would have never thought about spraying chamomile tea on a vineyard or maybe even a garden just to relax yes, them and to yeah. make them feel better about themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And you can even drink it, you know. So. Well, I know you had brought, um, actually, I was at a restaurant the other day and saw the new um, wine press sitting on the shelf and grabbed a hold of it because I usually kind of thumb through it. And I see your smiling face on the front. And as I was reading through the article, you had talked about biodynamics and some other things that are special to you and make you special, I guess. And so why don't you summarize kind of what that article is about and why you're on the front cover? Well, everything started with my friends, Jesus Guillen and Miguel Lopez. They're Hispanic too. Uh, Miguel grew up in the United States. Miguel grew up in Mexico. But we kind of like together trying to emphasize the work that the vineyard stores they do. Uh, so we're trying to do this, forming this group about recognizing the labor that they do, but also trying to um, connect them and trying to find sources to uh, make their dreams come true as well. Um, so we, I get very connected to my vineyard stores because I work with them. I, that's one of the things that I like to um, Our vineyard is located in 500, 600 uh, elevation, and I work there. And I see them, and that's the part that I'm really passionate about it. And um, so that's kind of like the first thing about the Oregon Wine Press, trying to emphasize the labor, trying to emphasize what we can do for them. And that's what he talks about that. And there's and that goes hand in hand with Salud and your passion with Salud, um, which, you know, I don't know, it's, it's pretty cool that, you know, there's, you don't really realize it until you start really talking to those that are amongst the wine industry and are out in the vineyard. And so that's where the auction um, is coming into fruition and is so important come November. So what exactly is that? Yeah. So this is like a, like the best uh, auction that is at what they call auction gala. So there's like lots of people that are invited and you can come to. Um, it's November 9, November 10. You just buy your ticket. Those funds go to this. Um, we raise funds for uh, provide health services to the vineyard workers. And uh, that's pretty cool because that's a, a way to recognize their labor. And uh, as I said, I was very uh, passionate about what these ladies were doing. I mean, Salud Program has been in Oregon since 27 years ago. So it's nothing new, but I'm glad that I'm part of that. In some way, I belong to the committee of the Salud in the marketing committee. So I'm very passionate about that. So that gets along with our story too in the Oregon One Yeah, Place. which is, I mean, and it's a full circle tie into thing. And I, we're running out of time and I want to make sure that we talk about your events and your tasting room and how we see that um, and can connect with you online. Yeah, so our tasting room, so we uh, walk you through the vineyard. We tell you about what happens in the vineyard. So we invite you to like a vineyard tour. And it's appointment um, only. It's so that you call ahead. Yeah, it's by appointment only. Uh, we have plans to build our tasting room mm -hmm. right now. Uh, so we, it's going to be ready next year. But for now, we just walk you through the vineyard. We introduce you with the wines that we make. And we tell you our story. We're located in Warden Hill Road, 8670. Uh, it's in Dundee Hills. And it's by appointment only. Facebook and Instagram are a great place to keep tabs on you and right. and remind them that we you, they need to come out and taste all these beautiful wines. Yes, yes. So, so follow us on Instagram and come and visit us soon. Fantastic. Yes. Thanks, Sophia. It was so nice to have you out here. Thank you so much, Heidi. My pleasure. Thank you. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at prp.fm.
Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast for wine lovers. Now you'll meet an entrepreneurial winemaker whose winery is located in a fairly unique part of Yamhill Carlton. Say hello to Chris Barnes from Chris James Sellers. Welcome, Chris, and thank you for coming all the way out here from the mountains of Carlton and joining us in downtown Portland today. Thank you very much for having me. So we talked at length yesterday about your story. I came up to the wine tasting room and up in the hills where the location is. And um, you entertained me for about an hour and a half. You probably didn't realize it, but I was thoroughly entertained by you. So I'm going to let you kind of tell me your story and make sure you include the menu. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll give you the quick version. So, um, yeah, when I was uh, in my early 20s, I was working for a company in Florida and, um, you know, the, the owner of the business would spend a lot of money on his employees. And so it, I wasn't really into wine at the time and it kind of became a goof to give me the, uh, the wine menu and have me pick these wines. And, you know, I've, I've worked a lot with computers and, and now I'm an engineer. And so I, I love to really dig in and research on topics that, uh, I don't, I want to know more about and, and, um, I started picking these wines and everybody started to love them. And I was really just picking things that were different. I didn't really know what I was doing, at least to start with. And and then I became the go-to person for picking wines off of the wine menu. And so that was kind of a funny thing that happened. So that kind of kicked me off in my interest for, with wine. And, and, uh, and it's started, snowballed ever since. Yeah. So, you know, between... Uh, in my 20s up into my 30s, I've been really interested in wine, and um, that slowly evolved into my interest in farming. So, um, you know, that led into researching properties and finding my property that I eventually bought in 2011. So your property that you're at right now where the vineyard's at, your, you know, the wine tasting room and also the facility is in a really unique location because it doesn't look like it belongs in a location that should have a winery. It's very rural and it feels like we should be riding horses and camping. Up there. Yeah. Yeah. Where's yeah, the so, canoe? So we're, we're about 10 minutes West of, of Carlton. We're off the beaten path. So it's definitely a, um, a hidden area, but um, once you get up into the Hills, um, then you'll start to see the winery and understand, you know, you know, there's a beautiful view up there and you can see all of the Willamette Valley and, and the mountains and, and why we've picked that site. It's a pretty special and dynamic site. It's absolutely gorgeous. Cause you do feel like you're at the top of the cascade range, looking down into the Valley yeah. and again, doesn't feel like there should be a winery, but you were telling me yesterday that the soils up there are very um, friendly to what you're doing. Up yeah. There. So we're right on the Western edge of the Amhill Carlton AVA. Most of the AVA is like marine sedimentary soils. Um, we have a lot of volcanic soils um, on our site and it's very, very deep soil as well. So it's more of like a jory type soil, which is um, over 10 feet deep, uh, you know, really rich red soil. And it's really great for growing grapes. It's actually very similar to Dundee Hills and that, that uh, AVA. Yeah, it's, I know with what we were talking about yesterday, you're doing a ton of different things up there with different varietals, different things that you're experimenting with and blending and doing and planting and growing. I know farming is really your original passion and we've moved into winemaking. Yeah. So I went to Chemeketa, the Chemeketa school down in Salem area, and I uh, went to school for farming down there after I bought the farm and started planting. 
And that went into my winemaking uh, love. I was farming a site there, farming the school vineyard, and, and they let me make the wine from the grapes that I had grown. So after a couple of weeks, I was just hooked on winemaking and, and dove really deep into winemaking. We're, um, I want to talk about your wine. We're going to come back in just a couple minutes, and you're doing a lot of different things with wine, which I kind of had already hinted to, and we're going to talk about it in just a second. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. We were talking about soil and dirt and the uniqueness of um, the site, but we need to talk about wine and why why you're up there and what you're doing. So you take the floor and let's start from the beginning because you've got a lot of varietals and things going on in that tasting room. They're pretty cool. Yeah. So on our site, we have a number of different varieties. So we have about half Pinot and uh, about four and a half acres of Pinot or so. And then um, we have Gewürztraminer, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Dolcetto, and Lagrine that we're growing on site. And then we also buy a lot of fruits from um, uh, around the Willamette Valley and also from eastern Washington. So we have some big reds that we're, we're coming online soon. So why does the soil that you have up there lend to what you're doing up there? I mean, why does it make the wine different? What are you doing different? Don't get too geeky on me because I know you went geeky on me yesterday. Yeah, do you want the technical answer? No, I want the English. Everybody can understand an yeah. answer. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I can give that answer. <laughs> uh, well, so the the, uh, the fruit that comes off of the site is really, really nice. I'm really happy with how everything's evolving there. Um, very uh, great mouthfeel um, and really nice uh, red fruit character and, and some dark fruit elements as well and some of the clones that we have there. The uh, quick re answer on the technical side is, because uh, I can't resist, is uh, it's very nitrogen deficient soil. Um, so, you know, we actually did a soil test and the, the amount of nitrogen in our soil didn't even register on the, the test. People always say when the vines struggle, you get a higher quality fruit. And the, the, the simple reason for, for that is, which I don't hear very often, is that, you know, if plants are having a hard time at life, they're going to focus on reproduction and reproductive growth. And so they're really trying to make that fruit really, really attractive to all those animals that are going to come and spread those seeds around. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I'll trust you on that because I, I don't have an <laughs> argument for you to say it's not. So um, you are, you're doing varietals that we don't hear very often. I mean, even the Dolcetto and the Lagrine, and yeah. then you also have, I mean, even Gewurztraminer, but you also mentioned a few of the other whites that, yeah. um, that aren't, so we've I got, hate to say normal because normal is not a nice word, but they're not common. Yeah. So we're doing, um, so that's right. We have a uh, Shoy Rebe on our site as well. So that's a cross of Riesling and Silvaner. So uh, I forgot about that one. Um, we've got, uh, we do make Riesling and it's barrel fermented. Um, we do a lot of skin contact with our whites. So we have a skin contact, uh, Gewürztraminer. Um, we Which have is a, the orange wine yeah, that we were looking at yeah. yesterday. So we have, um, we have a sparkling made out of uh, cider and uh, Gewürztraminer, a blend of those two. So that's really fun wine. Um, and let's see, there's a... You have your Cuvée Blanc. Cuvée Blanc is a Muller-Turgau and Gewürztraminer blend, and the Gewürztraminer is the is the orange wine that I mentioned. So 
and uh, Pinot Gris, orange wine as well, with uh, two months of skin contact. So I do a lot of experimenting with our wines, and, and uh, you know, I, I guess there's only so many vintages that we get in life, so I love to try uh, different things with the wine every year and, and try to expand, uh, you know, our product line and also our, our knowledge, what works and what doesn't work. And, and then maybe finding you know. that one thing that becomes the favorite for, yeah. for everybody and like for yourself. The, like this Riesling, it did really well. And, and we this just Riesling got is fantastic, yeah. by the way. Because so, we talked about this yesterday. You gave me a bottle to bring today, and yeah. you told me that there was um, – it tastes – it's a little bit sweet, but there's no residual sugar or very little yeah. in it. Yeah, so uh, with whites, I love to be very acid-driven. Um, I do like a little hint of residual sugar, and usually that that uh, balances really well with the acid. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the style is uh, very fruit-forward uh, and lots of acid, and, and and that's the that's what I like in our whites. I want to continue with talking about the white wines because you did say a few things to me yesterday. As I'm like recollecting as we're sitting here, so we're going to come back in just a second, and I'm going to tell you what they are, and I want you to explain them. Okay. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at PRP.fm. So I was hinting around to a few things that you talked about yesterday, and you just mentioned balance and balance in your wine. And so you mentioned the three-legged stool analogy, and I want you, because I've heard that before, so I want you to explain that and um, also attach it to the wine and what you're doing with it. Yeah, so this is a little bit of a winemaker nerddom, but um, so the three-legged stool that I like to visualize is bitterness, uh, acid, and sweetness. And um, it's so having a balanced wine means that these three legs of the stool are in balance with each other. Even white wines can have some bitterness into them from the skins of the grapes. So that's, there's some, uh, it's phenolics, it's a compound in the skins, and that can get into the, the wine and cause some bitterness. So you could overcome that um, by balancing the other three legs, the other two legs of the stool, for example. So you don't fall off. So you don't fall down. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. It's, uh, and you know, and I have had wines where you're missing one thing or the other. And so it yeah. is really important when you take the time and the effort and the passion, like what Sophia had talked about with, you know, during her interview, passion is a, is a big deal. And, um, not only with the stool and the balancing, but you had said that you had a special passion for white wines and the aromatics and preserving some of those nuances that get aged out or fermented out sometimes. And so why is that? And I mean, what does that technically mean in non-technical terms? <laughs> <laughs> well, the aromatics in, in white wines um, can be very volatile. So uh, depending on the style of wine that you're looking for, volatile means that uh, the, the compounds are coming out of the wine. So when they come out, they don't go back in. So you know, when you smell a wine and you smell the fragrance of a wine, that means that something has left the wine um, and uh, gone up into your nose so, <laughs> so or into your mouth. So, um, yeah, um, we, we do – so for our fermentations of white wines, we, we like to keep them very cool. And, and um, some of the very aromatic styles like the Cuvée Blanc wine that we have, we, uh, 
we do cold fermentations in a reductive wine style, meaning that it um, uh, doesn't have much contact with oxygen. So we're really trying to preserve as much aromatics as possible. Got it. So with that being said, you know, people really need to come up and visit, not only because I've totally pumped up where you guys are at, <laughs> because it is pretty awesome up there, but you have things going on up there. I mean, not necessarily like you have activities going all the time, but it is beautiful. It is very serene. So what are your hours? What should we expect if we want to come visit you? Yeah, we're open uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 12 to 5. The tasting room is open to the public and um, and then by appointment. Um, and then you can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram and at uh, chrisjamesellers.com. Perfect. And I know when I was up there a month or two ago, there was talk of helicopter tours landing oh. <laughs> up there. So, And there was yeah. training involved on getting the people off the helicopter. So how did that go? Are we doing <laughs> that now? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, precision helicopter tours comes up and, and uh, drop people off. There's a number of tours that come up to our site as well. So so you don't have to just drive yeah. there or take yeah. a limo or I wouldn't suggest walking. It'd be a long walk <laughs> from Carlton or McMinnville. Yeah. But you can come in by helicopter. Yeah, if you Perfect. need to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll make sure and check out your social media pages. And and I really, yeah, thank you for coming. It was such a pleasure. And you know, learning about the wines. And thank you for bringing the Riesling. I hadn't really mentioned that yet. And this is such a beautiful wine. And I appreciate you letting us taste it today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for joining us for the season finale of Wine Crush. Have a great weekend, and we will see you at the bottom of the glass.